Welcome, ladies and gentlemen, to the Kim Barrett Show. I am your host, Kim Barrett, and on today's episode, we have Mr. Jonathan Green from Serve No Master. That's right, we're talking all things, how do you serve and have no master, right? We don't want you to have a master, we want you to serve your audience, and how do you break down and build businesses where you can actually live location-free? He comes to us uh, live from the uh, islands, I think it was of Thailand or Philippines, just out there enjoying himself, living life on his terms, and that's what exactly what we cover in this episode. How do you put assets in place that you can build a business around so that you get the best outcome possible. That's what we cover. And of course, if you want us to help you get the best marketing outcome possible, head over to www.mogulcall.com. We'll help you cover all those and more. But until then, let's jump into the show. Thank you so much for joining us today. Jonathan, really appreciate you making the time. Oh, I'm glad to be here. I appreciate you syncing up with me too. It's great to connect. Yeah, it's awesome. So I always like to start off my podcast the same way every time, which is, Jonathan, if you and I were at a party and we met and we're chatting for a little bit, and I said to you, what is it that you actually do? What's your go-to answer? I would say author. Awesome. Yeah, author. And because you, you've done a lot of stuff with when it comes to books and not just being an author, but like building a business around a book as well, right? Yeah. So what I actually do is a lot more complicated. But if I meet someone at a party and they're not an internet marketer trying to say, oh, I do affiliate marketing online, they go, what does that mean? Because I remember <laughs> the first time I met someone, he told me that he, that's what he did. And I was like, I don't know, what do you do? Sell TVs on Amazon? I still think that's what he does. And I'm sure it's completely wrong because he was the first affiliate marketer I ever met. But I find that if I say author, people can put you in a box. What people hate is when you say a job they don't understand. And then it's like hard for them to figure it out. So I try to make it as close to what I do as I can. And, you know, I write a lot of blog posts. I write a lot of books. I do create a lot of content. And content creator, that's a word they don't know. But author is a word people understand. Yeah. Yeah. Awesome. I love that. And we'll, let's dive into that a little bit more then because I think on our podcast, probably or hopefully people are a little bit more, have more affinity to the word of content creator and affiliate marketing and whatnot. So tell us a little bit about your story. Obviously, you met someone and uh, you had no idea what affiliate marketing was and now it's something that you do. Tell us a little bit about that, that journey and what got you into it. Yeah. So I've always been into personal development in different ways, even when I was in high school. So I didn't really understand people at all as a kid. I was one of those kids that didn't fit in, had no friends, came home and cried, like after school special story, boring to talk about, but it's true. And at 17, I got invited to go to a concert by some kids because I had a car. They would never have hung out with me otherwise. And I met someone there who was popular and nice. And I was like, wait, this is possible? I've never seen this before. And this this guy named Nathan. And I just studied him. I said, why do people like this guy? He's not mean. It doesn't make sense. And I just started acting like him. And then people wanted to be friends with me. I go, wow, you can get better at stuff. So that's opened my eyes to that. And across my life, I, in other areas, you know, like everyone, we want to get better at different things. And towards my late twenties, I thought I had my dream job and I realized I hated it 10 years ago, actually 10 years ago, last month or a couple months ago in February, I lost my job. I thought it was my dream job. When they fired me, I was like, I'm free. I was like, that's not the first feeling you're supposed to have when you lose your job. But I was like, I never want someone to be able to crush my life again, right? Like I had just rented, I just rented a new apartment, bought a new car over the, over the weekend. And then I got fired on Monday and I said, I don't want anyone to be able to do this to me again. Mm -hmm. And that was the feeling more than anything else was I wanted control of my destiny, wanted to be able to 
figure out things. And along the last 10 years, I've tried a lot of different things. I started off selling like local business services and doing video marketing and doing copywriting and writing products for other people, just figuring it out. Just never giving up is really the secret. Putting in those 18-hour days, living in my mom's basement, then living on my friend's couch for a year and a half. Like, And then along that journey, I just began to try a lot of ideas. And I kind of became the go-to product creator for a lot of really well-known people. I'll make products and books and courses for them. And they did really, really well. And I was like, I should just make some of my own stuff. And I began to do that more and more. My biggest success, I wrote a book on potty training that was supposed to be a big ClickBank offer. And then the guy got into a fight with his copywriter. And rather than hire another copywriter, he kind of froze the project. And I said, can I just like rewrite this and launch it on Amazon? And it was the number one book on potty training for like a year and a half. I was like, whoa, this is crazy. Because that's the most crowded space there is. That's the space everyone tries to get into. And I started to see more and more opportunities. So I began to launch more books on Amazon under my own name. And I started to build a little bit of a following with my Serve No Master brand, which is really about... It goes back to that core idea of, I don't want someone to be able to fire me ever again. That's what it all boils down to. I don't want someone to have the power to affect my income, my food, my family's security, all of those things. So it's about having as much control as possible over my destiny and my family's destiny. And I now what I really do is I focus on two things, which is giving away as much content as I can and then introducing people that are the right product fit for them. So that's how I'm an affiliate marketer is that I go, I might not be who you want to replicate, right? Like some people, they don't want to be like me. I live on a tropical island. That's why I'm sweating so much. It's so hot right now. I'm just in the shade trying not to, to die. But unless you want to live in the middle of nowhere, we have sketchy internet and the nearest hospital is two boats away my life isn't one you want to replicate. So some people, they really want to do different things. Some people want to do physical products. I don't do that. The thought mm -hmm. of having a bunch of stuff in a warehouse and wondering if I bought enough or not enough or those types of things doesn't appeal to me. Whereas other people, they love drop shipping or physical things. So sometimes I just say, I'm not the right person for you to follow, but let me find the right person for you. And that's really my approach. Because sometimes people will say, Jonathan, why did you recommend that course? It's not right for me. I say, of course it's not. I can't possibly recommend every course that's right for you. You should only be following one course, not 10. So mm -hmm. I really encourage people, especially if they buy my highest level course, I say, don't buy other stuff. Just stick with this and make it work. Find mm -hmm. the one thing that works for you. Because the hardest thing, the biggest mistake people make is trying 20 things at once. You know, They try to start a local marketing business and they're trying to do something on Amazon. Then they're trying to write a book. Then they're trying to do a lot because it's all exciting. Mm -hmm. And we get caught up in the excitement. I still do. And... You just have to say, wait a minute, this is spreading too thin. And it's just about finding one horse and riding it all the way to the finish line. Yeah, so true. I even, like, even myself, I find that after a little while, when I got focus, I'll go through and I'll just unsubscribe from everything for a while. And then I end up normally end up subscribing back to the same stuff. But it's like, if I, if my inbox is too full of amazing offers and things like that, I get caught up in it too. And I'm just like, Oh, cool. Like this program. Great. Buy this, this program pops up. Awesome. And it's like, if you have too much uh, noise, because everyone has, whilst they might be teaching the same outcome, everyone has a slightly different approach to it. And it's like, well, if you're trying to listen to seven people teach you Facebook ads and seven people teach you business strategy, they're all going to be slightly different and they're going to probably have some small conflicts within it too, then you're going to be like, oh, what do I even do? I have to wholeheartedly agree with you on that. But I'd love to know, because I can picture in my head the very first ever. So when I first got started, we do Facebook and Instagram paid advertising. When I first got started, there, I remember the first like JVZoo affiliate offer that I could like got and took and then promoted on Facebook. And then I like logged in and I had my first, you know, whatever it was, $15 commission or whatever it was. Do you remember what the first affiliate product was that you promoted and what their commission was on it? Well, the way I started out with affiliates, the first thing I tried was 
like CPA networks, which is where you get paid when someone enters an email address or a zip code or their phone number. And I was promoting gift cards. So I'd been doing local SEO as a service and using that to pay for training courses and software. And I said, I bet I can rank some stuff. And I was number one for Walmart gift card. And I got a and d from them. Like they, their letters are really scary. So I got cease and desist from like them. So I was ranking number one for all these crazy terms. Like I was like number one for like Southwest Airlines gift card. I was number one for Piggly Wiggly gift card. Not as competitive, but Walmart. When I got the letter from them, I was like, Walmart doesn't play around. Like, they're gonna send something to my house. So that was like, and I was, you know, and I was making like I don't know, hundred dollars a month. But I was excited because it was like happening a little bit, and I was just doing pure SEO. I wasn't doing any paid advertising because that's, you know, I wasn't ready for that level and. That was the first kind of stuff that I sold as an affiliate that I made a little bit of money. And then after that, it was really just, you know, trying lots and lots and lots of ideas, trying Amazon affiliate and trying other stuff. And it, you know, I found that you're constantly reinventing yourself. The key to this business is being willing to pivot and adjust every time there's a big market shift. Like I was a big warrior form guy for a long time doing offers and affiliate stuff. And then that forum got sold and that marketplace just became really, really hard, really competitive. And it was it totally the market changed. And so I had to adjust my business. And that's just part of it, right? Is you find something that works, you go, okay, how can I keep doing this a little bit differently? Mm. And definitely that's the journey I've been on. And it's like what I'm doing now, I hope it works forever, but really it's about adaptability. Once you find something that works and you go, okay, how can I make this bulletproof? How can I make it so that if there's a single market shift, if I lose one traffic source or if my Facebook page gets taken down, I'm not out of business. So that's mm. like phase two that a lot of people don't pay attention to and they make a ton of money. And then when it goes away, they don't know what to do. So I've always been thinking about plan B and plan C. So that's mm. why I've been able to survive and thrive even when things have gotten tough for other people. Mm. And obviously, so at the moment, obviously, or I hope that you guys aren't experiencing any of the crazy coronaness over on the island. But like, how are you finding that affecting the landscape of what you're doing out there? Are you getting, because I know some people when it comes to helping and creating offers and whatnot, they're seeing like a huge influx of people and their business is growing like crazy and other people are having a bit of a hit. Like how's things going for you over there? You know, it was bad for two months. We just pivoted and tried a lot of different offers. And then we had a really good promotion last week that was our third biggest promotion of the entire last five years. So wow. all it just like really surprised me. But when, when the offer's right, when you promote it in the right way and when you just go full bore, then you can do really, really well. So it's about finding those right people and bringing them the right offer. You know, the first promotion we did after we were under lockdown, like the people doing the promotion made a big mistake. And it kind of threw off all the numbers and then the tracking was messed up. And so it kind of hurt my confidence. I was like, I don't know if this is their fault or mine. It's really murky water. So mm. we have tried just a lot of different things. Basically, we've been do running at break even for a little while, just like making sure running a lot of low ticket stuff just to make sure that the money comes in. And so we have, I don't have to let my team go. Like that's my number one thing is I have a lot of employees and I got to keep them employed. Like that's really important to me. So every week, you know, you think as the boss, you get to keep it all. But every week, it's like, I got to pay everyone. And if we don't have enough, it comes out of the company savings account. You know, that loyalty I give towards my team, hopefully, they'll return that over time as they work with me. Because knowing that, you know, I'm there, I'm giving them extra hours, we're actually hiring people, we've hired two people in the last week, we got to hire two more next week, we're really growing. And a lot of it is because we have this core mindset that I call extreme giving, which is, I always try to overgive. Like if you hang out on my website, there's like 20 different free gifts you get all of them work. 
all of them are products like that are things I use and things I teach, whether it's about affiliate marketing or starting a local marketing business or even doing crafty stuff. Like if you're good at sewing and you want to start selling masks on Etsy, we have some training on that and coloring books because I'm into that. My sister was one of the first people on Etsy. So we try to give that. And when someone gets one free gift, I go, here's two, here's three. So my list knows when they hang out with me that I just try to always overgive and I have this policy of people like, Hey, can I order this on two credit cards? I go, no way. Take this for free. Take, take my lesser course for free right now, earn some money and then buy it. Like I don't want people to up their debt when they're going buying programs for me or getting excited. I always try to stick with that. So that creates an environment where people hang out longer because they know they're always going to get cool free stuff. Like when you hang out, like, you know, you go to, if you're famous enough, whenever you go to like an award show, they should give you a bunch of free stuff that you could afford anyways. So like, you love it even more, you know, like everyone uses it. Why does everyone have an iPhone? Cause they gave them away at like the Grammys the first year they had it. So people get excited by free stuff. And I want to create that environment where people are like, man, I want to hang out. Jonathan's always giving away free books or amazing summits and interviews or content or training or having contests or giving away audiobooks. I try to just fill my audience's life. So people that can't afford stuff can still get access to content and training and earn their first little bit of money online. So then they can afford a course. I'd rather people make money with some of my free training and then buy something because then they're locked in because then they know it works. Like mm -hmm. the most important lesson is the first time you get like a, a wire transfer or a check in the mail and you go, wow, this is real. It's the magical moment that I want as many people as possible to experience. So I've really built my business around that core idea of constantly giving, really focusing on longevity of relationship. So a lot of people stay with me for years and years. My biggest fans have been with me for like three, four and five years. And I'm always trying to help them out and like give them as much training as I can and really meet them where they are. And mm. that core idea helps me to differentiate. Mm. Yeah, it's so true. And then, as you say, you can tell when you go to science or you interact with people and it's like, it's, there's always a big paywall or there's always stuff to do. And it's like, I mean, we, we have the same because our entry level programs are not necessarily cheap, but then we go, cool, like go and watch our 200 videos on YouTube where it's like, if you want to know how to do an ad, like, you can pretty much like piece it together from that or here's you know, a USB with all of our stuff on it. So it's like, I think it's so important to have that because yeah, not necessarily is everyone ready right now to be able to do something and purchase from you. But in the future, you know, after they get some, some runs on the board and some wins, like they, they're going to come back to whoever helped them out, right? It's like whoever was the person that helped them and gave them that, that free gift that helped them get their first, you know, affiliate dollar or whatever it might be. That's always going to be remembered. So I think that's super important. Now, there was one thing that I was interested in when we're connecting up and you, you mentioned on there that around creating a business around a book. And I just wanted to like kind of know what you, what you meant by that. Because to me, a lot of people go, they have a business and they go write a book. So building the business around the book, what, like, how do you, without saying everything, like how do you do that? What does that actually mean? Yeah, so what that means is the way I build it out, especially with my like mastermind clients and people I help now is, I say, what do you want to sell? Like if, you, if you're going to be an affiliate, what's going to be the big product you promote? Like what's going to be your flagship? And then who's your ideal audience? So you have the beginning and the end. You know who you want to sell to and you, know, you want you want to sell them. And then the book becomes the story that takes them from where they are to where you want them to be. So I take people on a journey in my book. I say, let me tell you a little bit of my story. So that way they know who I am. I put a lot of myself and a lot of personal stories and a lot of stories about my wife and my kids into my book so that people feel like they know me. They go, oh, I know who Jonathan is. I know he lives on Tropic Island. They, my audience knows when my wife is pregnant. My audience knows how old my kids are like because I want them to be part of that journey. Because yeah, there's a lot of people with books. So you want to not just teach, but also engage and entertain. Like when I was in school, 
the part of the textbook I always liked was like the picture of the farmer in like the orange box. It was like, I told you a story about a real farmer doing stuff with chickens and that he used math to stay in business. I was like, oh, now this is interesting. Like those little side stories, you know, that's the part of the textbook that's good. The rest of it's boring. The learning part, the memorizing all the dates. So that part, I was like, I want my books to have lots of that. So yes. when I teach someone, I say, we, we want to basically teach people enough to take them from where they are to where they're ready to buy that higher level course because they have enough of an understanding of how it could work. And they want to buy it through you because they like you. So 90% of people who read my book like me and 10% of the people who read my books really hate me. And that's what you want because otherwise, at least, you know, people know when you're in the middle of the road and you try to take no stances, mm -hmm. then everyone's kind of ambivalent about you and they don't remember you. I heard this amazing quote recently from David Lynch, this director, the guy who made Twin Peaks and all these other movies, and he never explains what they mean. People never understand his movies because they're crazy. He goes, yeah, if I gave you an ending, you'd stop thinking about it. And I thought that was so amazing. I was like, oh, you're right. Because every show that has a good ending, you stop thinking about it. But all the shows where the ending like, was disappointing, like Lost, people still talk about it. Like They're angry, but at least they remember it. And in the same way, we want to put enough of ourselves into that book that it bridges. And it can be leading into selling your own products. It doesn't have to be affiliate stuff. So my book brings people into my tribe. And I want people at the end of the book to know if they like me or don't like me and to really get what I'm all about, what I'm teaching, what kind of content I'm going to provide. So they have all those questions answered. They already know whether or not they want to be on board. And the, that's really what your book does. And 99% of my traffic comes through my books. Most people who follow me have read a book first. That's the first thing they did. They found me through one of my books, either on Amazon or another bookstore or through a giveaway or through a cross promotion. But I'm always giving away books to people as much as I can because mm -hmm. I want people to read it. And then they know they don't have to ask me any questions. They know if they like me or not before they read a single blog post, before they listen to my podcast, any of that stuff, that content is right there waiting for them. And at the end of that journey, they have a really strong feeling. They either write me an email, like your book changed my life. I finally get it. I've read hundreds of business books, but yours is the one that connected with me. And there's also tons of people that read it and my, it's not my book. It's the next one. Right. But mm -hmm. those people, then they know they're on board. And that's why I call it my tribe. I'm like, you guys are in my tribe because you get what I'm all about. So a book can really cover so much ground that otherwise we have to do through people watching dozens of um, YouTube videos or as you know, right? When you're, people find you through social media, they have to engage a certain number of times, right? They have to read, I don't know how many tweets it is or they have to read, watch like two hours of videos before they decide how, whether they like you or not. And whatever those numbers are, at least I know it's one book. I can decide inside in, in a book or less if I like or hate someone, right? Like mm. we've all started reading a book and be like, I hate this. So the question gets answered quickly and it means that I'm not wasting anyone's time. The most important thing for me is if I'm not the right leader for you, I want you to find the right person for you. I don't want you to waste your time more than my time. Like I'm fine, but I really try to find people the right place. And that mindset means that when I'm then get to that later phase where I'm like recommending products and saying, oh, this might be the right course for you because I don't teach this. It's not what I do. Well, then they are more likely to listen because it matches up with what I said at the beginning is I want to find you the right person. If it's not me, let's find that person for you. Mm. Yes. Yeah, awesome. That's so important. I never really thought of the books that way, but obviously it makes, it makes a lot of sense. So what are your thoughts then? Like you've got the people that will go and do those like, obviously that's, that's a book for, with a very definitive purpose versus like the guys that go out there like, oh, I'm in this like multi-author book and I have a book, but really like, you can't really convey much as like in a simple little chapter where it's like, just cause you're trying to get an Amazon bestseller, right? Versus like having an actual tangible way you like read the whole thing from that person. Yeah. So the multi-chapter books thing can be useful for really specific places. An example is I did one once with a bunch of people that were out of work in the job seeker space. They were all C-level executives that were trying to get back to work. And I remember one guy for like 18 months, he couldn't get an interview. 
right? And then he was in a book and he, add, he was able to add best-selling author to his resume and he got the interview, right? And then the CEO walked in, he goes, I had to meet the best-selling author who wanted to interview here. So it actually worked. Like I was like, oh, it really works. That's awesome. So if you're using it for the credibility thing, right, then it makes sense. If you're trying to get people to like you by being in a multi-chapter book, it's really hard because you don't just have to be good. You have to be better than the other nine people. Yes. So I, like, I hate those types of books, but sometimes some of the authors I follow in science fiction, they do that. And I'll read, let's say I read it, I'll read the whole book with like 20 stories in it. One of those authors will interest me and I'll follow that one author. So yes. it's, that means it's 5% or 10% as good as having your own book because they can be distracted by someone else. Like what I want in a book is a one-on-one conversation. Like yeah. the same thing, reason I like email more than social media Social media is distracting. Like I am not good at Facebook. There's so many things happening on. And because all my friends are marketers, all I see are ads. Yeah. Like when I was young in my twenties and single, all I saw was pictures of beautiful girls. That's all gone now. Now that I'm married and old, it's like, Hey Jonathan, add, add, add. I'm like, those are all my friends' products. Stop showing me, stop retargeting me. <laughs> like, so I just like one-on-one conversations, like undivided attention, like we're doing right now, right? Just you and me talking and we're able to focus. But imagine if like there were all these pop-ups around my head, It'd be so distracting. And that's what social media has become. It's just so much noise. It's really hard. Like even I find even YouTube really distracting because there's so many ads and because my kids use my uh, YouTube account, it's like one minute I'm watching like an educational video or fitness. All I watch is really like TRX fitness videos. Cause I'm like, how do I do that exercise again? And then it's like 50, like, Dutch videos from some cartoon my kids suddenly found like almost never in English. I'm like, why are you guys watching this? Do you understand the words? Like, no, but we like it. So (laughs) even there, it's like every like channel, it's so distracting. It's hard to get someone's undivided attention. It's one of the hardest things to get anymore because everything has embedded advertising. So a book is one of those few places where it's just you and someone and silence. And the cool thing is they can absorb at their own pace. Like a video, people have to watch it linearly right so they can't jump around they have to watch it in order and if, if you have an hour-long video that's your best video but they only have 30 minutes well they're not going to watch 30 minutes now and then 30 minutes later like people don't engage that way so for one type of person right my audience is 45 to 65 my audience is a specific bandwidth because as of age so is my audience and that's how they engage now there are certainly plenty of other audiences that like like little sound bites and all that stuff like technically i'm a millennial i'm as old as you can be and still legally be a millennial i found that out by googling it last year i said aren't they Generation Y? And then they go, Generation Y was renamed as Millennial. And I was like, what? Wow. And when I tell like, people that are 20 that I'm a Millennial too, they hate it. Because I don't, I mean, I don't act like one. I don't engage with the internet in that way. I mean, I don't know how, I have a Snapchat, but I've never snapped or chatted with anyone. I'm just not that generation, right? I engage, I'm an old school email guy. I grew up on America Online. Like that's where I learned the internet. So I'm like, I, I grew up in the generation where you had email make a noise because you were so excited to get an email. That's not true anymore. But so we all find our lane and that's why like people that want to do really heavy social media marketing or a lot with Facebook ads, I'm not the right person. And that's okay because you can't be good at everything. But what I like about books and what can really work in any market, right, is a book allows you to demonstrate that you have expertise, that you know enough about a subject to fill a book on it. Like that's really the first question that answers. And number two, you have enough confidence to put yourself out there. And number three, that you can take people on a journey. And mo- the, whenever I work with someone, you know, if I'm a ghostwriting coaching client, I say, if you could have someone do one thing after they read your book, what would it be? And that's what your whole book should drive towards. If you want them to give you an email address or call you or visit your website, whatever it is, well, then you ha- your book has a beginning and an end. Whatever niche or market you're in, 
And it can be someone in a local area that's like, I just want to hand my book out and, you know, at the farmer's market so that people, when they want their sheep sheared, I'm the guy they come to. Mm-hmm. And you can do that. And it works. People go, oh, this guy wrote the book. I'm just going to hire him. Like when I grew up, there used to be this TV show called This Old House with Bob Vila. And he would fix houses on PBS. And I was like, man, if I need my house fixed, that's the guy I want. Like, obviously, no one can afford him, right? And he doesn't, it's now two different guys or whatever, because I saw a commercial recently. But that level of expertise is the same. So when you have a book, it shows, wow, you're willing to do something that other people aren't willing to do. So it is important to go in with, with a real idea of what you want to happen at the end. So the biggest mistake you can make is to go, I just want to have a book. And I go, you got to know why. Like when I do help someone with a launch, and I don't do a lot of these, but I help clients once or two or three times a year. And I say, what's your ideal result? And they'll say, oh, I just want a lot of people to download my book. I'm like, are you sure you don't want to make money? You don't want to build a list? Like make sure hundred percent. And I worked with someone recently that like would not let me build a list for him. I was like, we've had 10,000 people that have asked to give you their email addresses. Can I give you that spreadsheet? He goes, no, I don't want to talk to them. I was like, you're not going to make any money. (laughs) I don't know how to make money if you won't talk to the people that want to buy stuff from you, but and that's okay. So people have what they want. He's marketing in a different way and he was using it for, you know, to bring into meetings and use as an authority lever, which is totally fine. So different people go in. As long as you have a goal, as long as you know what you want, you can do amazing things with a book. And it's just like any other thing you can do. Like some people just get really good at media appearances and they're on television all the time. And other people get really good. Like I know people that have Google TV television shows. I have no idea how that works, but for anyone who watches Google TV and watches those shows, then people love it. Like my kids, the TV shows they watch on YouTube, they prefer those to like well-made high production movies and stuff that I try and get them to watch. They're like, I don't want to watch Mr. Rogers. I want to watch these three kids from Russia wearing Ninja Turtles costumes and running around um, an empty school. And I was like, okay, I don't get it, but I accept that. You know, that's just how people engage. So whatever you choose to do, it's about do your best establish authority by just creating the best content you can, whether it's entertainment or educational, and then have a plan for what you want people to do once they've gone through your content. So a book is just one medium, but it's the same with podcasts or videos or blog. You just have to have a plan. And most people who struggle, it's because they didn't have a plan when they started and they built an audience and they go, I wonder what I can sell to these people. And it's much, much better to start from the beginning and just have like a core idea. Here's what I want to bring people to. Here's the type of people I want to help. And here's what makes me different that I can bring to them. Mm, yeah, no, so true. I love that. Now, um, Jonathan, as we get towards the end of our time here together, I always like to ask this question as well. I got asked it on a podcast and I, I thought it was an amazing question. So I've, of course, taken it as my own. So the question is, what's a question that I didn't ask you that I should have? The one thing I always say is, if I could go back, what would I do different? Like, what's the first thing I would have learned? So I started off being really good at writing books and creating content. But if I could go back, I would have learned copywriting. I think that's the most valuable skill because that's the one skill you need whatever market you're in. Yeah. It took me seven years to get okay at copywriting and now I'm pretty good, but you can always get better. And it's a skill that's universal. Use it in every market. You can write radio commercials. You can write magazine commercials. You can put stuff in newspapers. You can sell your own stuff. You can sell other people's stuff. You need it for Facebook ads. You need it to write a book description so people buy your book. You need it to design a book cover. So it's the one skill that's so universal and it's always growing. People always need it more. I'm constantly needing more copy from my team. And between me and my copywriter on the team, we can never write as much as we need. You know, every email I write, the better I write it, the more money I make. Mm-hmm. So all of those things, like if I could go back like that, was, that's the skill I bypass. But if I could go, because I love creating and I realize 
copywriters always get more than the content creator, you know, like mm. whenever I did deals where I was published with other people and all that stuff, I was like, man, the copywriter is just killing it. But that's because traffic and conversion is more valuable than content. So mm. that was just a lesson to me, a long time to learn. So the most valuable thing you can really learn and otherwise you're always hiring other people to do it. And it means you're not as in control of your destiny as you should be. So that's the most valuable skill that you can go back and learn. It's definitely something I'm constantly trying to improve myself and improve with my team because as you get better at it, like more and more doors open up and it just means you'll get good in any other market you enter. Yeah, that's so true. We just literally finished running a three-day mastermind for some of our clients and we had Don Halbert jump on and share some copywriting like tips and strategies. And it was like, yeah, even though some of the guys on there are seasoned copywriters and we had our copywriter on there, they're all just sitting there like mind blown and writing new copy out all day. So I wholeheartedly agree with that. So true. And now Jonathan, if everyone's heard this and like, cool, this Jonathan guy sounds pretty cool. I want to find out more about what he's up to. What's the best place for them to go and connect with you? Yeah, just come visit me on my site, Serve No Master. If you Google Serve No Master, every result is me. It's my <laughs> book or my podcast or my video channel because no one else is going after it. So Serve No Master, that's my brand. I love the people that come and visit, come hang out. I've got tons of free stuff on my website. I've got tons of free gifts. And I'd love for you guys to check out my podcast or my blog and just come hang out. Yeah, awesome. Love that. So guys, wherever you're watching this, we'll link that up so you can find that. And obviously you can just Google it as well, but we'll link that up in the show notes. So Jonathan, thank you so much for joining us today, my man. Really appreciate it. Oh, thanks for having me, man. It was awesome. Pleasure. Thank you.